You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Oh no! We suck again! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, brutal weekend. Did the uh, the back-to-back Florida-Georgia Giants-Redskins against two hated rivals of mine. Two losses. So <laughs> I like to say I'm without words, but I have plenty of words to talk about. So Dog days are upon us. Oh, no pun intended. Thanks. Yeah, well, whatever. The uh, The Giants fell to the Washington Redskins 20-13, to but it was not nearly as close as that sounds. Um, Which is amazing because the score was pretty close the entire game. It was. <laughs> It was. It was a lot of stories of missed opportunities more than it was uh, just downright bad play. I mean, we've seen bad play this year in Dallas and against Philly. This didn't seem bad, just inopportune mistakes, stupid shit. Um, and then the the biggest killer, really what ended the game, was Chad Wheeler got injured in the third quarter and did not return, putting in our, you know fan favorite Brian Mahalik yeah in it right tackle well this this goes back to what we said when they decided to bench and ultimately release Eric Flowers what happens when Chad Wheeler goes down or you know Soldier goes down on the other side we have nobody and as much as you hate Eric Flowers and you want to see him sent to Timbuktu this is the exactly the nightmare situation I feared yeah, and it was rough for Brian Mahalik. I mean, at that point, Eli was just a sitting duck. I mean, for a lot of the game, he was doing a lot of dodging. We we had said in the preview episode that this was going to be a rough defensive line to deal with, but they were managing in the beginning. Once he went down, it was like every play was... And it's not just like, you know, every play Manning was getting hit. It was every play Manning had nowhere to go. It was coming from three sides, left, right, and forward, so... Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, the idiots that are sitting around us at the Meadowlands are like, he's checking down. He doesn't know where to go. You know, he's not thinking. He's not looking. He's doing his reads. It's like, go back to when you were nine years old. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, sack. That's what it was. Not there even. Is, there is no time to go through your progressions. I don't want to. Don't tell me you saw on TV a tight end running loose, or you saw Beckham wide open. If you don't have the time, it's not going to happen. So don't do anecdotal stuff from your couch saying, oh, he's missing guys that are wide open and taking the sacks. That's not what's going on here. Yeah, of the seven sacks of Eli Manning, should have been eight. Uh, I rewatched all of them because live it felt like a lot of them were not on him. And six of the seven, I would say, were not on him. There was nothing he could do to avoid them. There was one where he was sort of wrapped up by the ankles and just kind of fell backwards. I felt was a little pathetic on his part. Um, that was at the beginning of the third quarter. But I rewatched each and every one. I've had this argument with people that, you know, putting in a mobile quarterback or having a mobile quarterback, or it's, this just doesn't disappear with that. There was nowhere for him to run even if he could run. It's irrelevant. It goes back to my problem with the fan perspective that 
there is a problem and we need to find a solution. There are problems left and right on this team. Fixing Eli Manning, which I agree, this year should be Eli's last. Yeah, let's let's go on the record for the two of us saying that we do not think he should be back in 2019. And, you know, whether the humane thing would be that he retires, you know, or the brutal reality, which this this team has done with Phil Simms, you know, is to, you know, release. release. So, you know, it's football. Right, but... But but this that that in itself is not going to fix anything. Eli retiring, Eli being cut will not fix a thing. That's a promise. Even replacing him is not going to fix much. There are problems with three positions on this offensive line. That is way too much. And let's start with one of the things. Let's talk about Nate Solder for a second before we get to the obvious problems. Okay. Nate Solder is not a problem. Nate Solder, because you people think we spend a lot of money for him, you think you are getting Joe Thomas or you're getting somebody that's going to a Hall of Fame left tackle. Let's remind everybody, let's do basic free agency 101. You pay for the market. You don't pay for the talent. It's a scarce market every single year. We are paying for the fact that we whiffed on a high draft pick left tackle. So we have to go into the open market and spend more than the value of what the player is. I would say Nate Solder is doing pretty much what was expected he would perform. Would you agree? I agree. Um, I think that Nate Solder is a above-average tackle, and I think that he does above-average work. Remember, he's working next to a rookie. Um, he's also doing a lot more deep drops than I think Tom Brady does. So it's not really in his skill set necessarily, or I guess what he's used to for the past couple of years in dropping back as far as he has. But I didn't expect him to come here and lock down the left side. And, and that's not what he's done. And because he is among the people making mistakes or you know, n- not necessarily winning battles, he has become a unnecessary and undeserved target on this team. Uh, do you want to move over to the right one more spot and see what what do we say about Will Hernandez? I mean, he's a rookie. He's going to be inconsistent. I mean, you did not draft. You know, it goes back. We said it on the last episode last Friday. You get free agents to fix holes. You get free age. You get rookies that you draft to build. He's a rookie. He's going to be inconsistent. He's going to show flashes of great things, and he's going to show flashes of being a rookie. So I think he's doing pretty much what we expected after eight games in the NFL. And I think it's worth saying that he's a rookie out of UTEP. Uh, I mean, I know that among all the other guards, he might have been the best or second best or third best. But it, it there's still a jump. It's not like he's coming out of Alabama and playing the SEC every weekend. And remember, remember that thought, what you just said when we discuss another position in a few minutes. So remember that. Keep going. Um, in the center, I mean, what have you thought of Spencer Pulley or John Greco for that matter? I mean, I haven't seen – have you really seen anything egregiously bad? Like is the sieve coming right up the middle? Um, I think that John Greco was average. I think that Spencer Pulley has been bad and was especially bad this game. Yeah. Um, he was perhaps a little bit better against Atlanta, but again, this was a more defensive uh, line talent. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, 
And it's going to struggle against above Allen's talent. We know that. But when I say either of those names, do they sound like next year pieces? They feel like emergency stop gaps to get us through this season. Moving over one more spot, Patrick Omame, John Greco. I mean, (laughs) Omame was not good. I mean, in the coaching staff who evaluates these guys – a hell of a lot more than you couch potatoes and a hell of a lot more than two dopey podcast hosts. They decided they need to make a change. So, you know, the problems are on the right side of this line and it's, I don't think it's any better taking out Omame and, you know, whoever they're going to put in, whoever's going to be available the rest of the year. Quite frankly, I think that John Greco's done better at center than his natural position at right guard. He was sort of beaten up there the last two weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And moving over one more spot, Chad Wheeler. <laughs> I think I said it was rearranging deck terrors in the Titanic a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And but now that he's out, you know the. Oh, now there's a drop. Yeah. Now there's the oh, just make a change for change sake. How worse can it be? You're gonna see it. You've already seen it. You will see it. And I don't give a shit. I don't care who we're playing. You know, we could be playing the '85 Bears. We could be playing. You know, East Rutherford High, when you're getting this low in a talent level who hasn't been practicing with the ones who, you know, probably is getting limited reps in practice with a a lower skill set, you're going to see a sieve. I I think that Chad Wheeler has performed increasingly over the week, slightly better than I expected, but still not good. Um, He plays like a backup. He he doesn't play at a level you'd like to see every week, but if he had to come in, it wouldn't be a complete disaster. Um, he's much better at run blocking than pass blocking, that's for damn sure. If the coaching staff felt like he had some more upside where we have seen the best and worst of Flowers already, that's fine. I just disagree with the notion that they should have cut Eric Flowers. I don't see what that they gained unless there was some locker room issue or you know his presence bringing morale down or something because now we're in this position where I could be playing right tackle next yeah and this is what we feared and we called this out you know back when they were discussing getting rid of him or not it was like what do you do if one of these guys goes down and what happens if Nate Solder goes down you know where do you find a left tackle or another tackle who can be like your you know, your Swiss Army knife who can, can t- take care of multiple positions if he has to. We're done. We're at the bottom of the barrel right now. Which brings us full circle now to Kyle Aletta. I would say that the American Civil War saw a little bit less passion than Giants fans are showing right now split between defending Eli and throw and not necessarily throwing Eli under the bus but but demanding that Kyle Lillett'll start. Yeah, I don't even think it's even defending Eli. I think it's just not making a change versus making a change. The making, you know, there's there's three camps. There's the you know, we got to make a change because it can't get any worse. There's the it's not Eli's fault, keep him in. And there's let's see what we have with Kyle Aletta and either evaluate what he can do or give him game reps for next year. Uh, we can go through each one of these three and kind of pro and con and where we stand on all three of them. Well, let's start right off the bat with A. 
change for change's sake is always stupid. I don't care that the season's lost, but just making a change to make a change because it can't get any worse is really dumb. I guarantee you it will get worse. I've been through it on the college level. I've been through it in the pro level. Just because I need to make a change can be far, far worse. Kyle Lalletta, I'll say this again, I've said on Twitter nonstop for the last week, is currently on the scout team. That does not mean he is getting reps with the second team offensive line. He is learning each week the other team's offense so he can run it in practice. So, yes, he might have had reps back in, you know, rookie training camp or, you know, mini camp, OTAs during this, the uh, fall. He is not practicing them. It's, it's, so to expect in two weeks, okay, a bye week, you're going to go from someone that's really not been, you know, intimate with the playbook and, you know, getting in sync with his receivers and the offensive line to all of a sudden starting behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league and a coaching staff is not being very creative and is probably going to simplify that playbook even more. And I'll get to the coaching staff later. It's It can be far, far worse. Stupid. It's asinine because it takes more than two weeks of practice reps for someone outside of a top 15 pick to get ready to play. Sometimes even a top 15 pick. What are you really expecting from a fourth-round pick from a program in the Colonial Athletic Association Conference? Well, I mean, these same people, it's like, well, what is your expectation for this year? I mean, the only people that are really trying to win games right now are the players and the coaching staff, to be very honest. Players are playing for their jobs. They lose. They look like shit. It's on them. You know, they, mm. they, put, they put tape on the, you know, for every game they play, every snap they're in, there's tape on them. They're trying to win. This coaching staff is trying to win. You think uh, you know, Pat Shermer likes the fact that this team could potentially be 3-13? and 13? He'd rather say he's 6-10. and 10. You know, it's just, that's the competitive nature. Now, they'll never say it, but does the GM and the player personnel guys, are they thinking tank so they get a better draft pick i'll never say it in, in public but wouldn't surprise me but the guys on the field the guys you see every sunday they're trying to win and as much as you are sick and tired of seeing eli we hear that a lot sick and tired of it as much as you want to blame him for the world's ills right now he gives that team the best chance to win like it or not it's the fact B is bring in Loletta to give him, to evaluate him for next year so they can have some tape to see, is he somebody that, you know, they want to keep as opposed to drafting a quarterback. This is asinine on, on two levels. One, is it fair to anybody to be evaluated on your performance behind this, you know, again, sieve of an offensive line? A coaching staff that's been, you know, is going to take the playbook and cut it in a third just to run basic plays so this guy doesn't kill himself and to be as safe as they can. 
That's not an evaluation. And also, he can come up here and throw for 300 yards every single game if they have the opportunity to get an elite talent in the draft. I'm not naming any names now because we don't know who that's ultimately going to be. They're going to take that guy. I'm sorry. So it's just, it's a stupid notion. I think it's fair to give him some reps, not starting, but live game reps further down the line. Yeah. A package or something, yeah. Yeah. Give him a fourth quarter or something, game's over, uh, in week 14 when he has time to prepare and run drills and practice. Or let's face this too, we're playing teams that, you know, when you get to week 15, 16, and 17, teams are either out of it or teams are resting people because they're getting ready for the playoffs. So might be a more fair evaluation of a guy when he's playing where he's not running for his life every single play. Sure. But as far as right now, it's asinine. It's just not time. And quite frankly, this fan base doesn't know what it wants. We want deep shots, right? We want to be play action and throwing the ball downfield to our star receiver, Beckham. This dude can't throw downfield. Without naming names, a Twitter person that on one hand complains that we only check down, that Eli's a mess because he only throws, you know, to Barkley or Shepard two to five yards away from him, and then at the same time is praising what Kyle Little Little can do because he can move a little bit and is, quote, deadly accurate from 10 to 15 yards. You cannot have, which do you want? Because he's not going to be throwing deep shots. He can't do it. So, quite frankly, maybe Loletta can be a backup quarterback because he's really accurate and can move. And, you know, maybe he's got the moxie or whatever it takes. But you're just, quarterbacks that can't throw beyond 20 yards do not exist in this league as starters. It won't happen. So, you can evaluate whatever the hell you want. If he's throwing rainbows 20 yards downfield, he's just going to get intercepted all day. And once defenders know that they don't have to defend that far, the game's over. And you can also forget about ever having a running game because they'll just crowd the box. Of course. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to see it more and more now the rest of the season anyway. So for the, the change for change's sake, the change to evaluate we have, it, it's going to get worse. That's a promise. You might see him avoid more sacks, but that doesn't mean it's better. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see numbers like, you know, 7 for 15 for 75 yards. That's better. I mean, and again, that's a – and also, do we know for a fact he's mobile enough to avoid the, the, uh, uh, an onslaught? A, an onslaught of, of NFL – NFL defensive lines and linebackers, they're just going to, you know, be like Custer, you know, just getting destroyed. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it's going to feel like. And someone like Eli that, you know, as much as you don't like him anymore and you think he's stupid and you think he's washed up, you know, he's doing the best he can to avoid turnovers. I get it. He fumbles physically. You know, he's not as, you know, he causes more fumbles and everything and maybe throws some bad things. But he is still front and center trying to avoid the turnover. A rookie who's going to be scared shitless out there and seeing, you know, guys coming at him 
you know, just terrible blocking or guys not being addressed, it, it can get far, far worse. And then what? Who are you blaming now? You know, you want to fire the coach? Not happening. You want to fire Gettleman for putting us in the situation? Misguided. Not firing him. I mean, who's your scapegoat going to be next? Gettleman. It'll be Gettleman's fault for drafting him. Well, I mean, well, let's let's look at that for a minute. You know, we had a project already in the works in Davis Webb. We had a plan that we thought Eli could last for a little while longer. We can develop Davis Webb over time. They decided they wasted a draft pick on someone to compete for who's that next guy going to be. And we don't know what Davis Webb's ever going to be in this league. He may, may never be more than a practice squad guy. He may just flame out. But, you know, Grumps already said this guy can't throw downfield and let him. So that's a pretty big mark. And don't give me this Pat Shermer bullshit of arm strength isn't as important as the other tangibles. In this league, you've got to be able to make all the throws. That's a prerequisite. Make all the throws. Be able to. Accuracy is important. The exactly arm strength is an important argument applies to guys who can throw 60 yards downfield. It doesn't apply to guys who throw rainbows 20 to 30 yards. That's just not acceptable. Exactly. So, yes, you can make an argument. Is that a career fatal mistake that you fire the guy because of it? No. But you can criticize it, and that's fair. But don't all of a sudden think the one move is the one that has to be fired for. I mean, they still have made a plan with, you know, drafting Will Hernandez and drafting Barkley, and we're in the position to maybe have a do-over at the quarterback position where this Kyle Aletta thing will be moot. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just getting so frustrated by not so much what I'm seeing on the field and what I'm seeing by this team, but just by you people out there that, you know, you're really embarrassing this fan base. And it's the people that should be the most knowledgeable ones, the ones who are going to games, the ones who are going on the road, the ones that, you know, you're the ones who should be more knowledgeable. And you just... It's frustrating because it's, it is it is embarrassing to be lumped into people who start screaming things that don't make any sense. Or yeah. I understand the frustration. This team has been unacceptable for two years. They had a fluky 2016 season. 2015 might have been close, but only in down the stretch. Uh, and between that and 2011, there wasn't much. Be- between 2008 and 2011, there wasn't much. And there was plenty to complain about. And we're a mess right now, and I get it. But when you are in a mess, it's under- it- it's important to understand that it's a mess. It's not just one problem. Every team has a problem that they need to fix. Every team. The Chiefs have an issue that they need to fix. So do the Rams. You know... They're not perfect teams. This team has many problems. If you want to fix Eli, that's fine. I guarantee you the fix isn't on the roster, A, and B, I guarantee you that that one fix does not fix anything. It's not enough. And then what bothers me also with this fan base is because you're being led by Pipe Pipers who are morons. And I'm going to call out Steve Serby on the post. I mean, a lot of people, I, I get it. Grump and I are active on social media. Most of you people listen to podcasts or active on social media. You get your information from a lot of different sources. A large majority of this fan base is still old school. They watch TV for their news. They read the newspaper. 
Steve Serby, the main columnist for the New York Post, I got it right in my hands right here, is headline, make a break for it. After a bye week, Giants have to have to start move from Manning to Laletta. And once you get past the first four or five paragraphs of flowery horseshit kissing Eli's ass or what he's done in the past, it gets down to the, the crux of his article. Because what do he and the Giants have to lose at this point? That is that same moronic thing where you hear parroted by most of the fans. What do you have to lose? <laughs> Maybe you get Kyle Aletta killed by this offensive line. You retard his growth. You get him injured. I don't know. It could be, you know, if the game plan is to go 1-15 and and lock up the number one pick, maybe that's your plan. I don't think anybody's doing that. So it's it starts with the people that are influencers on this fan base, too, by just saying the most, you know, reactionary, let me get clicks from my, my newspaper's websites, let me sell more newspapers. But it's stupid shit like this that makes you people dumb. So well, What I, do you have to gain by starting Loletta? The off chance that he's really good and nobody in the 32 teams saw it? Five times or four times before he was drafted? Yeah. A coaching staff that watches him every single day in practice that had to wait an entire training camp to decide this guy's better than Davis Webb, who's yeah. on a on a practice squad for a team he'll never play for. And and I don't see any offers out there from anybody who wants to sign him. He's still on the Jets practice squad just sitting there. So you're right. Looking at it, there's nothing to – what do you have to lose? You have to look at this as what is there to gain, and there's nothing to gain from it. I will say Eli was playing really, really well in the first half, but the interception he threw in the red zone was killer. It's the typical Eli thing that we always hate. But... Yeah, I mean this team, you know, I say it all the time, losers lose, and he throws more losers lose interceptions than probably anybody in this league. Um, again, the percentage, it was like 10 for 11 at one point. Your checkdowns. I think sometimes, he ended the first half 12 of 14. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, guys, a checkdown is because there truly is nobody open. I mean, look at the receivers. I get it. His name is Odell Beckham. Doesn't mean he's open every time. Uh, and he also gets no help. I mean, that Evan Ingram ball through his hands was one of those, you know, that could be the play that defines this season of, you know, we finally get some pass protection, finally get a decent throw, drop. And that was on fourth down. That was on fourth down. Which made, uh, Grunt made the question, is he trade bait? I think he could be. I, we, we said it, you know, on the last podcast that I think they're done trading. But I did say that Sterling Shepard might be somebody that they would consider an offer for. Evan Ingram, I think, is in that same group. I still think that they're done trading. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think they're done having people out there. I think they may get some phone calls, possibly. But I, I don't think they're actively uh, you know, shopping anybody at this point. So let's, uh, let's look at our crystal ball. Mm-hmm. We, are, you know, we will be doing our preview for the 49er game, an important game for me because my, my wife is a big 49er fan, so that game actually means something to two people in this universe. But as we do that preview show, who are we talking about as the starting quarterback? 
I would think that until we hear otherwise, it would be Eli. Yeah. I think don't fall for the signs that Pat Shermer gave today, like hinting there's an open opportunity for it to happen. I think if he was going to be the starting quarterback, they would have announced it today, and the preparations would have begun today for it to happen in uh, in 14 days. I think Eli will start you know, the game and finish the game as the Giants quarterback. It's still too early to make that call. Um, I do also want to call out that Odell Beckham had a star-worthy game. He went 8 of 11 for 136 yards, also converted a 4th and 12 with a one-handed catch, also had a one-handed catch where he was interfered with about 35 yards downfield. Um, it continues to be, to me, it, it continues to be obvious to me that the noise we heard about him not deserving a big contract because of X, Y, and Z was such horseshit. It's not even funny. I mean, we haven't heard a lick about him having off-the-field issues, just the same old nonsense. This is him being a baby, but him being a baby doesn't preclude the value that he has to the team. Yeah, it also doesn't do anything to this team. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's put it this way, that we heard, I think it was a Gary Myers or somebody reported on Sunday that the Giants did have some calls about offers to trade him. And I they weren't, doubt that very much. I mean, even if it's true, they weren't taken seriously, according to the report. That just tells you if they were in such a, oh, we're in a mess with this contract, they would listen. They're not listening. You know, again, people. There I don't such- understand what team has the cap space to even trade for him. Yeah. Yeah. Let's remember, people, when you're talking about trades, this is not Major League Baseball. This is not even the NBA where you have to match dollar for dollar for cap considerations. This is about can you absorb in a hard cap? the money that Odell Beckham brings. And I don't think uh, we'd have to go through and see does anybody or does anybody even have the cap space want to suck up all of their cap on one guy? And the answer is probably no. So at least the Giants have a bye week coming up and um, (laughs) we can all take a break from this. Normally we would, well, I guess normally we've only been doing this for two very bad years. Um, <laughs> ideally, we would have been spending this time evaluating the position in the in the division, evaluating the rest of the division, what needs to be done, what fixes need to be made to win the division. Those That list of fixes extends into 2019, so it's just not going to happen. We will do that anyway, just kind of go over the team, where we are, what we see in the future which members of this team are part of the rebuild, which ones are stopgap solutions, which one are not going to be on the 2019 roster, um, what positions need upgrade the most. What improvements we've seen this year. I mean, some people are actually, you may find it hard to believe because you're all so super pissed off, but some guys are actually getting better. Yeah. And uh, that podcast will air next Tuesday morning, and we will resume our normal uh, Friday morning preview episode, previewing the away game at the San Francisco 49ers. So we'll see you all then next Tuesday. I hope you guys have a great week. Have a great bye week. Enjoy football without any implications or stress.
I'll tell you what you all should do. Is don't even worry about the NFL this weekend. This is a it's a fantastic slate of college games this weekend. We have basically the final four in the SEC. Go go watch Georgia, Kentucky. Go watch Alabama, LSU. Go you know start looking at guys you you could see wearing the uh, you know the blue and the white of the Giants. I mean, there's some there's gonna be a lot of talent on the field this Saturday, and go go check that out. I, I know I will be I'll, I'll be down in Gainesville watching. Uh, Florida, Missouri, but I'll definitely have my eye on that uh, that Batman LSU game from a just an SEC fan as well as from a um, prospect perspective. If you want to talk about which positions need help the most that we need rookie influence for, why don't you go watch some college games and tell me who you think the Giants should take a look at? Not necessarily in the first round, just in all. Right. I think once we you know once we come up with our kind of you know, mid-season report next week and the positions we feel are the biggest need that will probably come in handy and stuff. And we can, we'd love to go back and forth with you about these different uh, needs that we have. And we know that that list is long. As always, you can find this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please give us a like, a follow, subscription, a rating, a comment. Um, that stuff goes a long way. Uh, we are getting new followers every day, and it means it really means a lot to us whenever we have positive feedback. Um, We've also enjoyed the negative feedback this week after the Giant game because we decided to dip into the pool of all the pissed off people, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I know some people agree with us, some people think we're crazy, uh, but you know, keep the comments and the, the tweets coming because at the end of the day, we all are Giant fans, and I think we all want what's best for this team and, you know, the best path forward of getting out of the abyss. We may all have different opinions of how we're going to get there, but this is a passionate fan base if it's not shown lately to be the smartest one. So I would absolutely rather argue with people who disagree with me than be talking to the abyss where nobody cares anymore. I am grateful that this fan base is as rabid as it is. Our job here is to keep the expectations realistic and not be reactionary and and fed by the media into what they decide is the biggest problem or what needs to happen because their job is to get clicks. Yeah, do, we don't want we don't want you guys to be sheep being followed around by the the herd of these dopes. I mean, really. Again, I'd even encourage you to read this Steve Serby article and tell me what original thought you've heard from this that you haven't heard from Mike Francesa or from the hacks that are on, you know, morning talk radio on any of these national dopey shows or the imbeciles at ESPN or something. It's all the same shit. As a Giant fan, try to come up with, you know, what do you see? What do you think the problem is? And then, you know, that will make you a more, you know, aware, woke Giant fan. So when you come up to some dope on the escalator saying stupid things, you can be smarter than him and maybe change his opinion. Yeah, and and I'll argue with whoever because I believe what I believe is right based on what I know and what I see. But at no point am I going to call you an idiot or, you know, I, yeah. I'm, I welcome it. You know, we can probably at the end of an argument reach an understanding somewhere. Um, I know that happened to me twice right after the game where – I backed somebody out of a very ridiculous standpoint. So <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be – just because we're arguing doesn't mean that it's negative. Um, 
and we welcome all those conversations. I, on Twitter is usually the way it goes. I'm at football underscore grump. And um, argue, agree, reach out to me. Yeah, and then you'll find me as always at the Cranky Fan. And I, you know, I apologize in advance if I sound annoyed this week because I am annoyed. I'm in, I am like you, Giant fans. It's been a sucky decade, even though we have a couple of Super Bowls, you know, kind of sandwiched in there. And we're all tired of it. We're tired of the sense of lack of direction and the easy solutions. There are no easy solutions. It's going to take time. No one wants to hear it, you know. But unfortunately, this is the hole we're in. And if Gettleman et al. can't start turning this thing right, they're not going to get the long leash that a guy like Jerry Reese did. Because apathy in this town is the worst thing, like kind of Grump alluded to. You know, you don't want to be irrelevant. You don't want to become the Brooklyn Nets or the New Jersey Devils of this market when no one gives a shit. Get it to the NFL, but, you know, the Jets have Sam Darnold. And, you know, who knows in two to three years with that franchise, if they become, you know, a, a legitimate team, they're going to leave us in the dust for attention and, you know, all those other things. So, as always, I am at the Cranky Fan Check this show out and also check out my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where tomorrow I get to bitch and moan about how Florida lost to the Georgia Bulldogs. So I'll be in rare form all week. But as Grump said, we love interacting with you guys. So please reach out. Please subscribe to the show. Give us a like, a follow. Give us a sponsorship. Give us some sanity. Give, give us me a anything. sandwich. <laughs> give, give us a sandwich. Give me peace on earth. I don't know. Uh, you can always follow the show on Twitter too at Just Giants Pod for all of the new episodes that come out. They're all bumped on there as well. Yes. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants.